1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: It's Throwback
1: Thursday. Hey, everyone. Chris Vefali is here. Man, I love doing these Throwback Thursday episodes because every week we have more and more new listeners tuning into the podcast who might not scroll back through the archives. And because of that might miss out on some amazing past episodes. I mean, minus a little bit at the end of the episode where the guest talks about what they currently have going on, these episodes will remain timeless. The stories behind the songs do not change, which is one of my favorite things about making this show, at the risk of sounding a little pretentious here, I really believe that capturing these stories behind the songs from the mouths of the people who wrote them is almost as much of a piece of art as the songs themselves. Or at least that's what I tell myself. Maybe you agree or maybe not, but either way, I hope you really enjoy them. That being said, I was really happy to pull this one from the back catalog and into the forefront again. Back on March 29th of 2021, Liz Stokes from The Beths sat in to discuss the writing and recording of Future Me Hates Me. Over the past few years, The Beths have become absolutely one of my favorite bands, There are only a handful of bands for me personally that when they release a new song, I'm listening to it as soon as possible, and the Beths are one of those. So it goes without saying that I was psyched when their new album, Expert in a Dying Field, came out last week. I can't recommend it enough. This band is so fun and inventive, and as you'll hear in this episode, Liz is very humble and likable. Plus, she was our first and only, so far, guest from New Zealand, which is a place I dream of living someday. So there's that too. Okay, I'll let you get to it here. Let's throw it back to March 29th, 2021 for episode number 44 of to Makes a Podcast. Elizabeth Stokes discusses the Beth's future me hates me.
0: Hey, gang. Today's guest is Liz Stokes, singer and guitarist for the Auckland, New Zealand band, The Beths. Liz and I break down their fan favorite song, Future Me Hates Me, from the 2018 album of the same name. Liz and I talked about the initial inspiration behind the track and how her original demo wound up evolving once it was brought to the rest of the band and guitarist Jonathan Pierce, who also produced the album. We touch on the fact that the New Zealand government has helped The Beths with financial support As part of their international music market development grant program And how this was integral for the band to initially tour outside of their homeland And Liz couldn't have been kinder to me for messing up the lyrics to her song I was convinced what I had written down was what she was singing It's the Kiwi accent that threw me off, I swear For all this and much more, sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride
2: Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast
0: Crystal makes a pie. I know from doing a little research that you and all the members were attending classes at the University of Auckland uh, in New Zealand, where you're from, uh, where you all studied jazz, which is very interesting. So you were studying jazz and decided to to form a a, a band together.
3: Um, yeah, kind of like I, I knew Ben and Jonathan, who are uh, still in the band, are like Jonathan. We went to high school together, and even back then, were um, playing in like our high school bands i suppose and same with ben who um this is like real boring Um, but like i met him when i was at high school but he was at university but through his like version of high high school like prog band or something like that and um yeah so we all knew each other like ahead of time but we all ended up studying at at the university of auckland yeah the jazz program there's like really really fun um it's uh, you can't really be maybe a jazz it's very hard to be just a professional jazz musician in new zealand it's quite small so (laughs) i feel like People study just kind of music and then you end up playing just lots of different stuff.
0: And then you started out just just releasing some EPs and uh, you were one of the five finalists for the 2018 Silver Scroll Awards in New Zealand, which uh, is awarded by uh, APRA, which is the Australasian Performing Rights Association. And much like Canada, and I believe Australia, and I know New Zealand, you've received financial support. Basically, uh, governments will give artists uh, sometimes money to go out and tour and and they support live arts. That is very foreign to us Americans, Uh, Mm. our government... Sits on their hands. They would never give us money to go out and tour. So uh, I've always thought that is really cool. So I guess the, they funded three tours through marketing development grants. Like, and I wish I wish we had something like that here.
3: Yeah, it's pretty special. It's something that I mean, especially this year, um, it's been really important and like it's very validating. Uh, like it, it, when you think about it, it makes sense. Like we're as a, as a country, we're extremely isolated. Like our closest is Australia but even that's like a, a few hours flight away but but also we're a small country so like you have to be a very very huge artist to um, be able to like make a career just in New Zealand as a musician so a lot of artists or like a lot of businesses of like all kind I think you start looking out almost immediately into um, and for musicians that means like thinking about whether touring internationally is um is an option and we have things like outward sound is the um is one of the funding bodies where they can they kind of help uh help pay for international touring just because when you think about it like to tour the states for us it would it would cost like ten thousand dollars for the four of us just for visas and then the flights are probably another ten thousand dollars like <laughs> yeah. like it's not we, i know. We, we can't just jump in a van <laughs> um so it, we're re- but we're really lucky like, it, like like i said this year i mean it with with the way that um the country shut down for a while we're of course very lucky again that that we've opened up because we had a we've eliminated it in the community during that period of time we were able to shut down because the government paid people to you know like we we were able to get um uh a, a subsidy throughout, throughout that period where um where everybody was staying home and that kept us afloat for for like a lot of the year last year
1: well
0: that's great and and, and to your point there's only so many times you can tour auckland wellington and christchurch uh you yeah. know you're <laughs> not 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 too not too big of a country i've been been to new zealand it's a a beautiful place Lo- absolutely love playing there when did you come uh, so uh, first time I was there was uh December 31st of 1998. Whoa, uh, years. Played, yeah, play, yeah, played Played the warp tour in Auckland <gasps> uh back then. Oh my
3: gosh, I didn't so, even know we had the warp tour. And oh.
0: yes, I'm yes, so, and I'm so uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were probably very young then, but uh, yeah. any, anyhow, it was uh, just always loved coming there. The last time we were there was in uh, 2014, we came there with Pennywise and Alkaline Trio and, oh, cool. and uh, played a show. So a uh, very, very beautiful place. So the band uh, for five years, uh, you know, you, you were touring around, obviously, New Zealand. And I'm assuming you got to Australia. And I know that you did a uh, European tour with Death Cab for Cutie. Have you toured the States at all?
3: Yes. So we've, we, we first came over, um, uh, I'm trying to think what the, what the season is. I guess it was spring because <laughs> it would have been um, <laughs> autumn for us here, I think, or maybe just going into winter of, um, of 2018. So it was before our first album came out. And it was kind okay. of, it started off as, um, like, at the end of 2017, I was, me and Jonathan were talking, uh, and then the record was, like, kind of finished, Future Me Hates Me, and we were like, well, let's just do it. Let's just, like, book a, like, a DIY kind of, like, international tour and we'll apply for some funding and maybe we'll get it and we'll just do it and then we'll come back and, you know, we'll move out of our flats and then come back and start again, you know. Um, And it just, we didn't have to start again, which was good. It, like, things kind of went pretty well. We ended up... um. Uh, signing with Car Park, and we ended up just continuing to tour for most of that year. So we, we went to the States, I think, a couple of times, and, and to Europe a couple of times, and over to Australia and, uh, just kind of all over and kind of toured non stop for almost for like around 18 months or so, which was awesome. <laughs>
0: Well, good, good for you, and it's it's testament to the, the buzz that you've been building up. Just, uh, It seems like every day more and more people are, are knowing about the band. Uh, the song we're going to talk about today is Future Me Hates Me, which is uh, from the album of the same title, your first uh, full-length record, which was released on August tenth, two uh, 2018. Uh, did Jonathan Pierce, your guitar player, did he produce this record? I know he produced your latest record.
3: Yeah, he did. He did.
0: He did. He's amazing. It sounds so good. You know, I thought for sure. I kept scouring. I was, I was looking and looking. I, it wasn't on your Wikipedia page. I was like, who produced this record? And finally, I saw it. I just from the sounds of it, I thought you worked with a a big name producer. And uh, I think there's big things ahead for Jonathan. It, the sounds are, are amazing on this track.
3: Ugh, he's gonna be chuffed. No, he's 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 so great. Like he he um, it's something that he's really proud of. And and he's you know like even on this new record, he's he's constantly learning about things and and just he's really excited. About his microphones that he buys, <laughs> you know, it's um, it's he's really, he's really passionate about it, and we're so so lucky to have to to have him as as part of the band. Like he's 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 a real special person.
0: That's great that you recognize that because he really is. The sounds are amazing. You know, I'm trying to put my finger on the band's sound and it's just there's not one thing. You you guys just have your own thing. But there's I'm hearing parts of Weezer. I'm hearing parts of the breeders. I'm hearing parts of. Ver- Do you remember Veruca Salt? I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, at all. I
3: know a couple, they, a couple uh, songs. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm hearing a little bit of the cars. I'm hearing '70s stuff. I'm hearing '90s nuances, but it has its own flavor. And there's also a. And I, I I'm careful of using this word, but there's a maturity to your songwriting. It seems like you, you've, you've been around for 20 or 30 years with the maturity, <laughs> and and I, I mean that. It's just really, really well, well written and, and and mature stuff. So I'd like to get into to the song now. Set it up for us. Do you remember remember when you wrote it? I do.
3: I think it was, must have been in 2015 it's it's weird like I remember when I wrote like the scrolls that would become the song like um which is how I write a lot of lyrics which which is just kind of like free writing Mm -hmm. just 90% of it's garbage you know (laughs) but from there then I'll like later go back when I'm like playing guitar or something and like kind of pull phrases or like ideas that I like and then kind of like mold them change the words around make them rhyme better it's exciting stuff but yeah i remember like when i kind of scribbled a bunch and i think i from that same kind of batch of scribbling i wrote both future me hates me and happy unhappy which are two songs on on that first record and it was just i think just getting home after hanging out with someone that i really liked and it felt like something was going to happen but then nothing happened i just kind of like (laughs) extremely dramatically you know like closed the door and like put my back against it and just like slid down to the ground. It was just like, I was being very dramatic. Um, I was trying to channel that I think a little bit, but then, you know, I feel extremely self-conscious about that. (laughs) And so I was kind of like, you know, the only way it could turn into a song is if it was kind of like making fun of myself for being that dramatic.
0: I like it, and I can kind of tell that you uh, from, from your videos that you, you, guys, you can take a joke and kind of make, make fun of yourselves. Your videos are, are a lot of fun, and I can totally relate to that. My, my band is uh, cut from the same cloth. We can We can laugh at ourselves, and I think, I think that that's, that's very important. This song, did you know that there was something special there when you first wrote it, or was it just kind of another idea that you were formulating, or, or was it like I, there's really something here?
3: Yeah, I remember making like the first demo of it, which I kind of demo just guitar and like vocals on on Reaper. I think I knew it was good cuz like I, I was writing a lot of songs and some of them you kind of I'd kind of finish them and be like cool it's finished I'm not showing that one to anyone <laughs> it's no point <laughs> um but with that one I was like cool this is good enough that I'll you know I'll, I sent it to the band and like sent it to some friends to be like what do you think and um like I, I, at that point I think I I'd been writing for the band for a, a, a maybe a 2 or 3 years and, and I kind of had reached the point where I kind of knew I knew what I liked, and, and, and um, it took a long, a lot of songs to kind of get to that point. But I was getting good at getting to that point, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when you demo stuff and send it off, and of course, with Jonathan being a producer, uh, this song in particular, how much do you remember from the, the initial idea or the demo that you, you created when you sent it to, to the guys, uh, how much it, it, it changed or evolved?
3: A lot. Like, my, my demos are, are, are pretty basic. A lot of the times, they'll just be – maybe this is coming from, like, a, the, the, the jazz – background where, to me, a lot of a song, when I'm writing it, it feels like it's like, it's the verse and the melody and the chords, which is like, that's what you would have on a lead sheet, right, if you're reading, like, <laughs> if you're playing Autumn Leaves or something, um and you'd be like, that's the song, and then you can kind of like, arrange the song. um And with, the, with, with some songs, it's different. So for this one, I did have the, like the guitar riff was there, the main one, and like the voicings of the chords were there, but things were added in lead, like Jonathan added in the lead line that's in the introduction. And then, like the drum feel and the bass part like I don't really write um those those things we kind of just um arrange those together as a group, and then just little production things like that that you that you do when you're that' working in the studio and you're like this section needs something so that all came together. Yeah, and I guess
0: I, I, guess I was kind of speaking production uh, stuff aside. Just I didn't know if when you write something like this is the song, these are my ideas, and this is what you present, or if it's, like you said, more of a basic thing that goes through uh, a metamorphosis that becomes what it becomes w- with all the production stuff and everything that you add on top of it. That's how I write. I, mm. I, I'm amazed at people that just have this vision and do everything in their head and they, they spit it out. So mm. I can totally relate to how you write. It's like, okay, here's the riff, here's the melody, here's the bass chords and then then you present it and you you kind of all work on it together
3: yeah totally i mean the, the lyrics are, is probably the one thing that i'm um maybe a tyrant about like a, not tyrant but like i i i find it very hard to um <laughs> to collaborate on on lyrics they just feel so personal to take i'll take some feedback with with them um, <laughs>
0: so that that's a struggle it, but, for you and yeah. and, and, and no that's <laughs> And no, and that's that's totally un- that's t- understandable. When you're singing something, you have to feel it. And uh, lyrics, when you write them, you write all of them. They're they're coming from a personal place. I I totally get that. Uh, I'd like to to jump into the song now. The song is four minutes and seven seconds. It's got this amazing great guitar hook when it starts off, and it just. It just screams, it just feels 90s to me, but 90s happy, not 90s grunge and, and, and depressing music. It's just got this happy feel to it, and that guitar hook is just so catchy. Is that the one that you were referring to that, that you wrote initially?
3: Yeah, yeah. So that was like what I that actually came up with and kind of wrote the verse of if that makes sense. And then kind of stripped it back.
2: Yeah.
0: So there's a uh, 14 second intro of this part that's just so catchy. And then we get into the first verse and the first part of the first verse, it just kind of breaks down to what I'm calling this kind of fuzz guitar. And, 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 the, and the bass and drums are just grooving. And the lyric is, um, I never wanted to, I didn't want to fall. And, and Liz, you're gonna have to help me with the second, second word. The only one I don't think I know here is it. I won't or I don't believe
3: uh hang on, i'm trying to remember the lyrics to my own stupid (laughs) song (laughs) i don't don't believe that love's a good idea i don't
0: i swear i swear you say won't which is kind of a cool lyric too okay so i never wanted to i didn't want to fall i don't believe that love's a good idea at all and then the back half of the verse which i almost was going to call this a pre-chorus Until it happens again with different lyrics in the song because it because the the melody changes here Oh this well-designed world everyone that I know is broken and has fell for it before Uh, So set up set up this first verse for us uh, lyrically.
3: Yeah, sure. It's um, it's actually it's well-designed. Woe, Everyone that I know is broken and has fell for it before which I know has fell for it is not grammatically correct But it just um, it just sounded right
2: (laughs)
0: Got gotcha. you. Whoa. Okay. It was written as "world" here, but it's funny because later in the song, at the refrain, I did have it written as "woe." So okay. I, again, I have to. I have to say one of my favorite artists, and I don't know if you're familiar, is is uh, American band The Pretenders, Chrissy Hine. Mm. and then this part that the melody line here is just haunting and beautiful. Oh, this well-designed "woe." Everyone that I know is broken and has fell for it before. It's just awesome, and then you come into a what I call here a half reintro. Was that something that you remember writing from the beginning? Like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do a verse, and we're gonna go to this half reintro back into another verse, or was it longer, or was that written from the beginning, or something that evolved?
3: Um, yeah, I think I, I, the double verse thing is something that I do a lot, and I think it's from listening to a lot of like Death Cab um, for Cutie growing uh-huh. up, just like this. And I know it's like it's it's a thing now, like in in songs where you want to get to the chorus kind of within the first minute. And I just don't a lot of the time. I just can't justify it. I, it just feels like it hasn't I haven't earned it yet. So I feel I'm getting getting better at it now. But like um like for this song, the, the chorus doesn't come in for ages. There's there's like an intro, and then there's a verse, and then there's like an interlude, and then like another verse, and then quite a yes. long pre-chorus, and then the chorus comes, and it's like a minute and a half into the song. I don't know. I I really like. That kind of, I don't know, it feels like you're telling a story during the verse and, and sometimes it just feels like I'm not ready <laughs> to, to go to that different place yet. Like you're still kind of exploring and like doing exposition, I guess, in, in those first couple of verses.
0: What is so cool about this song, the first time I heard the track, this part particular with the back half of the verse, the, the oh, this well-designed woe part. The first time I heard it and it came by, I wanted to hear it again. It's so catchy, but it's foreshadowing to come at the last chorus when it does come back again and it and it doubles at the, at the very end yeah. of the song. It kind of bite, bites off that melody line, which is just this song keeps evolving and growing and the parts never get boring in this song. You know, you say the chorus doesn't come for a long time, but it works in, in, in this context of this song. It just it just works brilliantly because the parts just keep flipping. It never gets boring. And then uh, this I'm calling it a half reintro. Uh, then it comes back into to verse number two and the lyric is uh, and sometimes I think I'm doing fine I think I'm pretty smart and on the I think I'm pretty smart line Here's something that only happens on this line of the song. There's this arpeggio guitar part this picking part sometimes. it happens again during the the what i'm calling the pre-choruses, but it just happened on that line and i didn't pick up on it till probably the third or fourth listen and it's just one of those production kind of ear candy things that stuck out to me was that something that that, that you could attribute to jonathan
3: oh yeah that's that's a jonathan line and that's like a a thing where when you're just arranging the song i'm i'm not i think i think he was playing that because we played the song live maybe for like a year or so before we recorded it um mm-hmm. and i think it's something that he just would have you know, it makes sense if you're repeating the same, the exact same kind of, the lyrics are different, but it's the same kind of form. He was just like, something needs to go here. And so he put something there and it's a nice, And it, yeah, he's real good at writing those little just like sparkly, yeah, candy bits.
0: No, and it's great because it's not there on the first verse. And I love that how, how you know, that that can really build a song and it does so in, in, in this sense. Uh, the next lyric is, I'm quite convinced that I can keep myself up high. And then we get into the what I'm I'm calling the back half of the verse and that I'm calling it a haunting melody. This melody is just I can't get it out of my head. Oh, then the walls become thin and somebody gets in. Everything's less, but it won't happen again. And then there's an extra line this time where you say it probably won't happen again. <laughs> and those last two lines, the intro riff comes underneath those. It's a And I'm thinking at that point, the first time I heard it, okay, now we're going to launch into a chorus, but it dips back down <laughs> in, into the pre-chorus for the next part.
3: Yeah, it's a lot of bits. Oh, man, I think that lyric is actually, I'm defenseless, not everything's less. But.
0: I'm defenseless. Yeah. Okay, well, see, I need to stop listening to uh, the internet and Google when I search my lyrics. That's how I do this, and I, I do listen to the song, and I, I apologize for getting that Oh, no, that, don't, don't uh, apologize.
3: It's, it's, it's kind of nice that someone's kind of gone through it and just, like... M- interpreted their own version. I, I kind of like that idea as well.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> At least it's not your own bandmate telling you that your lyrics wrong. Then you'd have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beat him up. I'm just kidding. We would never do that. Um,
3: but yeah, the yeah, our songs have a tendency. Not all of them, but quite a lot of them to be kind of like bits, bitsy. I guess like 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 you say like there's like in that verse there's like the first part of the verse and then there's the second part of the verse and then there's like you, there's a bit where there's the intro riff again. So like there's like lots of there can be quite a lot of different sections which we really like i guess (laughs) quite often um sometimes we try to keep things more more simple but like it almost feels like you're yeah like assembling a a puzzle and then it's quite satisfying to kind of like be remembering all these parts and then like we're all like jonathan and i like stepping on different pedals for every section while singing backing vocals at the same time and stuff it feels almost like um learning a dance or something when you're physically playing it it's nice to kind of like feel like a song is a puzzle that you're kind of putting together
0: No, and there's a lot of pieces to, to this puzzle but it all in, in my opinion works works perfectly together and again the the pre-chorus uh this part that arpeggiated guitar that i was speaking of that the picking uh comes back in and it's just such a cool part but everything kind of comes down here And the lyric is, but there's something about you, there's something about you, there's something about you, I want to risk going through. You're opening up and being vulnerable, you want to risk the unknown, so to speak. Is is that what you were going after with with that lyric, of, of the from a relationship standpoint?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's like, a lot of the stuff I think, particularly on that record, it was kind of like, balancing sincerity with like, plausible deniability or something. Um, just being like, <laughs> I have these feelings, but I mean you know, as a joke. Um, and and so, like, I feel like that section is kind of like a transitional section to this kind of, like, it's a very, opt- almost like an optimistic kind of uh, chorus that's, wh- whereas the verse is very, like, sarcastic or something. Like, I would never. It's stupid. <laughs> and then the chorus, this kind of big optimistic chorus and the, the pre-chorus is just introducing this idea that actually, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's not so bad.
0: Real quick, was the title... Uh, future me hates me was did you have that from the beginning when you were penning the song or was that something that came uh, came later that lyric
3: it's hard to remember like there's lots of like I think media all the time around the kind of idea of like this is something that future me will deal with or like I I definitely (laughs) wasn't like inventing that concept but I think I had a lot of the lines and and they had a they had a rhyme scheme that kind of like future heartbreaks future headaches um, I think I had kind of those words, and then future, it was kind of like, ooh, a eh, ooh, a, eh, and then I had future me hates me, and I was like, oh, there it is, like, that's the kind of internal rhyme, and it also sums up the song quite well. I don't, I don't think it was the first thing that came in the song, but I think it just, once it, once I had that line, I was like, that felt like the heart of it.
0: I, I love the lyric. It's uh, and I'm hope I hope I have all of these right. <laughs> uh, future heartbreak and, and and here we are. We're at the first chorus. And, and you're right, Liz. It's about a, a minute and twenty uh, in into the into the track. Future heartbreak. Future headaches. Wide eyed nights. Late lying awake with future cold shakes from stupid mistakes. Future me hates me for hates me for. And before we get into to all those lyrics, there's a really cool. It's almost like a slide guitar part. Almost sounds like a pedal steel. <laughs> if You know what I'm talking about in that chorus? Was was that, I'm assuming that's Jonathan? What, what was that a slide he was using? There's like a high.
3: Um, it's like no no no. But it's uh, yeah. I, It's not a slide. It's just but it's just like a um really bright. Uh, it's I think it's Jonathan's Liz Paul.
2: The
3: actually play that part live but i think we'd, we 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 recorded it on a few different guitars but that was like one of the last things we added to that song like the song was kind of done and we were just like the chorus just it feels like it's missing like a sparkle or something like uh-huh. um and we added that and we we're like oh this is cheesy but we couldn't stop smiling so we were just like oh, okay well it has it has to go in
0: Sometimes you got to pour the cheese on Liz and this part is so good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I'm glad you left it because it really (laughs) and it just takes me back. it, It takes me back to and I want to ask real quick did you have any 70s influences or did your parents listen to music from the 70s or anything because when that part that guitar part comes in it just takes me back to I don't know something like a, a Fleetwood Mac or I, I mentioned the Pretenders it just takes me back to that era and it just it, it's just it it makes me feel good I guess that's the only word to, to describe it I love that part
3: yeah yeah it's like I don't know we, we've all listened to so much stuff like I, I I grew up listening to my mom had like this radio station called Easy Listening Eye in the car which I you know I didn't know any of the artists but like n- now a song will come on and, and I know I know it intimately <laughs> uh, I'll be like yeah. I know the song like the back of my hand and it was all and that, looking back it's all it was all like yacht rock and like kind of like Billy Joel and um, Michael McDonald and um and also like 80s stuff like Spandau Ballet or something like that it was all just kind of like <laughs> These are listening songs from the '70s and '80s. Um.
0: I know you've mentioned Death Cab, and and I, I don't really hear them too much. I'm I, and I can't. What what I think is fascinating about your band is I can't pinpoint one thing. It just keeps through, especially through this track. I just keep hearing different things that remind me of stuff, and it's just it's really cool. So that's why I wanted to, to ask you about about some of those influences um, after the first chorus we come back into a a full band reintro and and before we we talk about that just these lyrics here the future heartbreak future headaches that chorus do you remember if you had that initially or or that was something that you you kind of had to work on as as being the hook and the chorus of the song
3: yeah that was that was that was written that was like that stuff was um part of the kind of like mishmash of 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 like words on on those kind of few pages was this kind of like future things that were going to go wrong you know some of them conveniently rhymed so it was just kind of like like all these different things that also rhyme rhyming's very important to me <laughs>
1: I hope you're all enjoying this throwback Thursday episode with Liz Stokes. We'll be right back with part two after a few words from our sponsors.
0: Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments Sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits, to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level, download the Distrokid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com/vip/demakes. That's distrokid.com/vip/demakes.
1: And now back to our Throwback Thursday episode with Liz Stokes.
0: I know that you say you take some some possession of your lyrics, but so when you're in the studio and these were just kind of like scat words you had in, in a notebook or whatever. But does Jonathan or, or anybody else ever say, "Hey, what about switching that line?" or "Or could could there be a stronger line there?" Do they say stuff like that, or is it kind of you come up with the with the lyrics in full?
3: Generally, I come with lyrics. Like, yeah, if 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 someone was like, I don't think this line. It's very strong I'd, 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 I'd look at it and I'd go I'd probably come up with something else but it's um usually when the demo is done the lyrics are done if that makes sense um, but like you know I'll continue tweaking them sometimes but because to yeah. me that's a big part of the song being kind of done apart from like middle eights I'm ter- uh, to me uh, quite often a song is done when there's like the verses and the choruses are done and then I'm like we'll put something in the middle we'll do a solo <laughs> <laughs> I hate I hate writing bridges
0: you do <laughs> that's yeah. funny I uh, Most of the f- people I've had on the show Enjoy writing bridges You're one of the I don't think I've had anybody say They don't like writing bridges That That's interesting Tell tell me a little bit about that
3: I guess to me Like this It's so functional It's like uh, This is To me it's like Well Because cause I write songs In a very In a very I feel like old Fashioned way or something Where there's like There's a verse And then a chorus And then a second verse And then a chorus And then there needs to be something else So you can have another <laughs> chorus <laughs> Or something like that Um I really like songs in that kind of like classic like structure and that's not how all the songs I write come out but like um, quite often it is how they come out and I'm just like I'll finish most of the song and just like <laughs> I just can't I mix ex- by that point I'm kind of excited about the song and I want to kind of share it but I'm like oh there needs to be something <laughs> else here and so like sometimes it's really fun to come up with something and that's why in this song and also in like happy and happy the other thing is that I write a lot of words and so quite often by that point I'm like oh there's too many words in the song already. Like I write really lyric heavy songs. And so I'm like, do I want to write like an entire bunch more words? And I'm like, no. So it probably needs to be like a, either an instrumental section or like just, a backing vocal arrangement. So in this song, for instance, it's a backing vocal arrangement.
0: So you took the words out of my mouth, which we'll get to the bridge in this song, which doesn't have uh, vocals, which, uh, well, has has some vocals, but doesn't have lyrics per se, which I think uh, I think is important. I think it, it lets it breathe there, which is really good. Uh, there's a full band re after chorus one, which this is now the third time you've heard the hook. You heard it at the top of the song. You heard the, the half re after verse one. Now you're hearing it again. And then we go into verse three. You don't go into a bridge and then you're, you're back into another verse. And the lyric is, it's getting dangerous. I could get hurt, I know. I have counted up the cons. They far outweigh the pros. Oh, and if word gets you down, it's the mob or a sound. I am drowning. It's too late for me now. I need <laughs> you sticking around. And you're smiling, so I'm assuming I messed up a lyric.
3: Oh, you didn't mess it up. So the third <laughs> line is, um, oh, and the floodgates are down. It's the Marlborough sounds. So um, the floodgates are down. It's obvious.
0: Oh, it's ah, it's the Mar. Okay, well, it's funny because I got that lyric at the end of the song where it comes back. It's the Marlborough. Is Marlborough a place in New Zealand?
3: Marlborough, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's like a place at the top of the South Island. It's basically a, uh, the sounds. It's like it's fi- it's like fjords. Gotcha. It's okay. just like a local, wet landmark, <laughs> that rhymed. <laughs>
0: Liz, I've never messed up lyrics like I've messed up your song. I'm I'm gonna own it right now. This is uh, you've you've got me good, and I I'm I'm gonna blame it on the lovely Kiwi accent. Okay, I'm not gonna take full blame.
3: Oh, please please stop <laughs> please stop apologizing. It's, it's fine. I'm, uh, I'm 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 enjoying. I'm trying to trying to remember them.
0: No, I know, and it's weird. I've had people tell me it's weird to have me speak their lyrics back to them. Like, wait, is that what I said there? Um, I know
3: it's it's, it's difficult.
0: The I love the second half of this where you say, I am drowning on this. The melody changes on that one word on the word drowning from the other times you sing this part.
2: Oh, and down, sounds, it's too late for now.
0: Do you remember that? Do you remember you changing that or Jonathan or someone in the studio suggesting there's a that there be a change there?
3: No, I think phrasing is something that's quite important to me. I think that the, the way that words feel when they're coming out of your mouth and the way that they sound, I feel like is really important. It's something that when I'm writing, the way that the words sound is like part of, of what I'm writing, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. So like the, the particular phrasing is quite important. So like, yeah, it, like more important than like having the exact same melody is making that particular line sound compelling and sound to me also like kind of sound natural or unnatural in a memorable way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it that it sense. that just yeah. that one that one word and what you did there, it stuck out to me. I thought I thought I think that's a really really cool part of the song. I love it. Thanks. I'm getting to pre-chorus number 2, which is the same lyric as pre-chorus 1 because there's something about you. There's something about you. There's something about you. I want to risk going through. On this pre-chorus though, there's either some organ pads pushed way back in the mix or like a low register violin or strings. Is that there? Is that what I'm hearing? Um
3: you're hearing it, and it is a just like a low, fuzzy guitar.
0: Wow! It almost—it sounded like strings or like a low, low violin, like pu- push back with some reverb on it. But that's that's a guitar. It's a really, really interesting, and it really it adds to that part and of course I had to go back and listen to pre-chorus 1 and nope it's not there. That is just another one of those little cool pr- production uh, qualities that I think is really really neat. The Thanks. second chorus is the first time that it's a double chorus and this is where the song really as if it wasn't already interesting and took you on on this little ride, it it gets pretty Pretty intense now, just in terms of production and the different parts that come in. The first half of the chorus is the same: future heartbreak, future headaches, wide-eyed nights, late lying awake with future cold shakes from stupid mistakes. Future me hates me for hates me, and then it does a turnaround: uh, future heartbreak, future headaches, and then there's the woo oo oos, the backing vocals. And just adds such a, a a great part to that uh, whose idea was that Do you remember who came up with that part
3: I think that was a studio edition I think so in the year that we were playing this live I think that particular line wasn't there um, but I think when we recorded it we were like yeah there needs to be something in the second half of that second chorus and it's the only time in the song that happens because the two choruses at the end three choruses at the end are slightly different so it was kind of like is it worth making a backing vocal line just for this one part and we decided it was um and backing vocals are like they they're they're very present in our music throughout all of it so it it's not, it wasn't like it was strange to put them in there it was like it was almost like we have this other thing like we have this third guitarist and the third guitarist needs a part to play in the song but the, for us the third guitarist is our kind of backing vocal arrangement it's like we have two guitars we have bass and drums and then we have backing vocals and when you're quite limited i guess in the different instruments that you can play particularly live having this extra texture that you can throw in um to have an extra melodic part or to mm-hmm. kind of change the texture of a particular section is is really important to us so mine maybe jonathan came up with it
0: you use the word i was going to use is texture because near the end here you can really start hearing the male voices oh. predominantly sounds like you doing a lot of the backups and and hearing, hearing your uh, higher register. And then you can hear the male uh, voices come in at the end, which is just so cool with how it's playing off of you. And it goes into what I'm calling the bridge. It's a 12 second bridge, uh, instrumental. But there are four oos here. <laughs> but there's a counter melody with some ba-ba-ba-ba's <laughs> happening there, uh, which really work mm-hmm. cool cool together. Do you, do you remember how that – was that another studio uh, thing that came about?
3: So that w- that one we would have had to – we were doing that when we were playing it live, when we were learning the song, like, a year a year before we recorded it. And um, that was, like – I think we were, for a long time we just played the um, – because it's the pre-chorus chords. Yes, the, um, yes. Four and the five is it oh, i can't remember um
0: yeah i think it's like the is it uh c minor to d minor i played it earlier something like that yeah yeah, anyway, <laughs> but, um,
3: yeah so it's like that just like just repeating the pre-chorus chords which is something i've done before in bridges as like almost as a placeholder and then i was like you know we, everyone was like we need to put something here so i went away and i just like wrote a um a four part thing where like Ben and I do the woos and then uh, Jonathan and Tristan do the kind of counter melody line that kind of ends up together at the end the very ba 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 which like after I wrote it was like oh damn it that's like a postal service thing oh well uh no um, that
0: part's great and that's really where you hear the to me you hear you hear the male voices going back and forth I'm calling it a counter melody and that part's just so cool and and I think it's needed there's a lot of lyrical content up to this point it's only 12 seconds but it's perfect to set up the third chorus. And when the third chorus comes in, uh, the band breaks down for the first time. It's just, you know, the future heartbreak, future headaches, there's a couple of cymbal hits. And then the kick drum comes in for the second line, wide-eyed nights late lying awake. Uh, And then there's like a light snare buildup on the third line. The back half of the third chorus, or, or what I'm considering an outro, and here's where I, I think I might have gotten the lyrics finally right. Uh, I did write, <laughs> I did, I did write Marlboro here, where I had that wrong before. This part's really cool because now it's a complete counter melody. And it took me so many times listening to this, Liz, to figure out what part I want to listen to. And now I can kind of equally listen to them both. There's a lot going on here, but it works uh, together in such a congruent fashion. So tell us what the thought was here of having it. An, and I'll, I'm going to read the lyrics real quick and I'll, I'll have you set it up uh, again. You're saying future heartbreak, future headaches. You're You're repeating the chorus. But behind it, I'm hearing uh, and I don't know if you're doing it. It sounds more like it It might be Ben or Jonathan singing this part. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong with the lyrics, but the floodgates are down.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's the Marlboro sounds. Uh, Marlboro wa- sounds yep. Walls become thin and somebody gets in. It's a well-designed woe. Everyone that I know is broken. Yeah. And it's biting off the back half of the verses, Melody, that... I wanted to hear repeated, but only happens, (laughs) I'm saying once in in each time, and now you're getting it because this part happens twice behind the chorus. idea was it for hat to have that melody come back
3: i think it was mine yeah i think it just i think that was in the original demo that i made myself on the computer at home and sent it out that was really fun just kind of discovering that that line i was like something needs to happen here in these last couple choruses and just figuring out that last line fits and then kind of like so taking the third the third verse one and then going back to the second verse one and then the back to the third uh the first verse one and being like, oh, it kind of tells a story. when you like. It's like you're, you're, you're telling a story, which in reverse of the song, but it, it still makes sense. And you get to finish on that line, everyone that I know is broken, which is like a weirdly depressing line um, to finish on. But I kind of like that. And it actually only happened once. But then when we played it together live, um, learning the song, we decided it needed one more round. Um, and I, I stopped singing the main chorus melody last time through. And um, the boys just keep singing that part and then that's when the song finishes on that depressing note.
0: <laughs> I love it and you know I have a term for it I've heard in you know in the studio over the years that you know at the end of a song a lot of times you'll you'll we call it throwing in the kitchen sink or it's a train wreck you know and and this yeah. this <laughs> this is if I've ever seen one or heard one a classic train, and sometimes a train wreck or a kitchen sink does not work. And this just, it is so cool. And like I said, it took me so many listens to figure. At first I was like, well, the chorus is still going over here, but yet there's this new melody. But wait, that's not new. That's the that's the back half of the verses. It's just, it's a really, really well thought out and well written part. It's its really, really great. Um, I love Thanks. that the lyric ends on... Everyone that I know is broken and it ends on what I like to call the suspense chord. It ends on the E. It never resolves back to the B.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. That's pretty smart.
0: <laughs> I love that. Um, did, did you ever, ever resolve back to the B or ever, ever tie it up or you, you wanted it to, to be left, uh, I call it the suspense chord no
3: nah, no nah, it, felt, it felt good it felt good leaving it there um <laughs> I'm a big fan of it. I think I end a lot of songs on the on the four like that maybe mm-hmm. too many it feels good
0: I like to do I like to do that too so the song's uh, written you're in the studio Jonathan's producing the song's done and and you hear it back did it exceed your expectations from those first demos and those first scrawls on paper, or when it was finally recorded, was it? Were you like, "There's really something here"? Were you happy with it?
3: It took a little. It took quite a lot of finessing. This one, like, because it's so bitsy and because there's so many different like guitar sounds in it and stuff, it it took quite a little bit of like, quite a lot of tweaking to get it, really working. But once we had it working, I think we it it just it was like it it suddenly was it felt great, and we, we got the song working at a similar time to like, maybe happy unhappy and. I think you wouldn't like me, and and maybe one more song, and those were the first kind of four songs that we started kind of sending out to people before the album was was done mixing. Yeah, and it was strange because like like I said, like we were playing before before the record came out in twenty eighteen. We all of those songs we were playing live, except for maybe River Run. Yeah, it, it it was nice to kind of like feel very comfortable with those songs, but and then finally hear them in a like polished, sparkling form, which in you know the most recent record that we made. We hadn't played most of the, most of those songs live, mm-hmm. and so the first version that you kind of get used to is the one on the recording. So it was a nice feeling.
0: Do you recall if there was a difference prior to it being recorded when you would play it, and your audience heard it, and now it's recorded and they've they've been able to digest it and hear it, uh, you know, recorded? Do you remember the first time you played it after it was released and what the response was?
3: Wow, well, first time after it was released would have been. Oh, I guess it didn't get released until. We had already started um, touring when we first toured overseas. We only had our EP out, but like the thing is, like we played in Auckland and like maybe around the rest of New Zealand. We played we played those songs in Auckland, you know, like hundreds of times probably. Yeah. So like um we would play them to songs of our friends who who already knew you know like all, all the words just from coming to the gigs. So um.
0: So they already but, loved them.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I I'm not sure. Yeah. It, it felt it felt crazy. Just like. Being overseas and then kind of like playing songs to people who'd never heard of us before, and then suddenly the album kind of came out, and suddenly people did know the lyrics. I mean, that's pretty wild and really, really special. Something we we really miss. So
0: yeah, well, you 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 deserve it. Your your band is a is a wealth of talent. The songs are great and. Uh, I I really appreciate you you coming on today and and taking the time out to talk to us and uh, I'd like you to leave the listeners with anything uh, coming up with the best that you you'd like to promote.
3: Um. Ah. Oh, just lots of international touring. I am kidding. Um. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We, we released our, our 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 new record in in July this year. It's called Jumper Up Gazers, and oh, this year. Sorry, it was in 2020. Sorry, the eternal year. Um. And it's, you know, it's still, uh, it's still out. We decided to um, leave it out. Um, yeah, I mean, have a listen to that if you want. We, I don't know, we're working on new stuff. So just I'm just writing
0: a lot. <laughs> well, sounds good. We'll, we'll keep writing, keep doing your thing. And uh, congratulations on all your success and your continued success. I, I wish you nothing but the absolute best. So thank you very much.
3: Thanks so much, Chris. It's been really nice uh, getting real
2: deep into future me hates me the song
1: (laughs) that does it for throwback thursday this week don't forget to check out the new beth's album expert in a dying field and also if you're new to Krista makes a podcast don't forget to scroll back through our past episodes and check them out we're getting guest requests from new listeners all the time where we respond and we're like, yo, they were already on the show. Otherwise, have a great day and we'll be back on Monday with a new episode. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.
0: Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Revenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now.